You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Hi, my name is Donna Hayes, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Donna Marie Hayes. She's the author of These Broken Roads, Scammed and Vindicated, One Woman's Story. Donna, how are you? Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to have you on the show. It was fun talking about Upper East Side stuff. We were talking about where you live. We won't give the address (laughs) unless you want to. Do you want the public to know exactly where you live? (laughs) No, I'm on the... Upper East Side, um, Upper Upper East Side of Manhattan. It's a, it's called Yorkville. It's a beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. Yeah, and it's exactly where I stayed in spring. Like we, like yeah. I probably walked by your place. I remember I was walking. I stay. I was watching everyone play pickleball by the river. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm just like, you know, you always kind of hear dirt about the Upper East Side. They're like, yeah. oh yeah, those people. And I'm like, <laughs> those people are pretty fun, man. Like this is my jam. Yeah, it's, it was really, uh, nice. it's really nice. I like it. I really like it. Yes. For it's sure. just beautiful for walks and in this yeah. little neighborhood. And I thought it was going to, I thought it was going to be really expensive, but there was like a, like the corner market was cheaper than Whole Foods. Cause I was like planning my, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that, yeah, I'm a guy that doesn't know New York that well. And I'm yeah. like, well, where, mm-hmm. and I need my salads. I need, yeah, yeah. I need, I don't need junk food. I want things to go through my body well. <laughs> I and get I, it. Yeah, then I then I found these other places in the Upper East Side that are like way cheaper than going to Whole Foods, and I'm like, yeah, all right, yes, for sure. I'm in. <laughs> it's so, great. So I love it. Yeah, you were saying you're on the 31st floor, which scares the crap out of me because I don't like heights. How? Yes, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the 31st floor, right on the water. I absolutely love it. The view is amazing. I can actually see the planes going back and forth between Kennedy and, and um, LaGuardia and the water is beautiful at nights and the, 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 the skyline is just gorgeous. It's just really beautiful. It's very relaxing. Are you early riser? Because that's the sun right in your face yes. in the morning. No, that's the, <laughs> that's the drawback. The <laughs> yeah, sun okay. literally punches you in your head. Like, okay, it's time to get up. Unless you make sure you have on like a sleeping mask or you sleep with your blinds down. Now, I have a tough time sleeping with my blinds down because the view is just so calming and relaxing at night. But yes, that's the flip side. In the morning, it's like, hello, I'm here. So so since you're a big time famous author now, you just need to hire someone to close your blinds when you doze off. <laughs> Okay, we'll work on that. <laughs> no, I, I I know how much money we all make, and this yeah. is why this is why I have a rent control apartment in East Hollywood, Los okay, Angeles area. I'm on the second floor, which is a floor I can deal with. I don't think I could deal with a 31st floor. I could do probably up to five floors, and then after that, really? I'm like, then I'll I just love- be like. I don't know the existential dread. I'll be like, okay, this is a bad day. And I just run out the window. I like, it's like right there. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. And we have a beautiful lounge on the 38th floor. Oh dear Lord. You just uh. gave me heart palpitations. <laughs> what, what's, what's on your lounge? 
well on the lounge, you know, people who sunbathe, they have this whole area on the outside of it um, where they can, if people could lay out or you could just sit and read, what have you. Inside the lounge itself, you have, you have um, you know, beautiful couches and chairs. And then there's a little kitchen with microwave and should you want to cook up there, microwave and and a refrigerator. And it, it it's, it's just really beautiful. And can whenever- see, Oh, go ahead. Whenever I would um, work on scenes, um, when I'm, if I'm working on a play or typically if I'm working on um, a, anything stage-wise, I would have the cast members meet me here and we can just use the lounge to rehearse. Yeah. Table and reads at the lounge. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's a lounge on the top floor and there's a lounge on the second floor. They're both beautiful. The lounge on the second floor, you have um, a pool table and you have racquetball and things I don't do but it's oh my not. god oh my god is there a <laughs> way you can yeah, i will and, there's, and if there's a way you could sneak me in i'll just crash in the corner of one of those lounges and just yeah yes. you know I'll, i'm a low i'm a low low maintenance guy okay so so you, you do a do you write a lot of plays do you have you have a lot of stuff that go that you're going through and as far as writing yeah, I mean, you have table. You were saying table reads. I was, I was so specifically when you're working on shows. Are you working on shows? Or are you working on films? No, well, well, not at this moment. I just mm-hmm. finished my um, my one woman cabaret show, um, which was my launch event. I for the book. book yes, my my book came out um, October third, and I did the launch event at the Cutting Room on October sixth with a band. And I've oh, performed, yeah. So I've performed all, all over the city doing cabaret shows, but this one was book focused. My publisher and the publishing team, they were all here. So I, I sang maybe, I think, 13 songs. I sang and then I read excerpts from the books. So I just kind of wove them all together. I would, you know, sing a song about, I don't know some of the things that he did. And then I sing, these boots are made for walking. And then, you know, when I realized I was scam, I sang the song called The Lies of Handsome Men. Um, and I did a lot of Tracy Chapman songs, did some reggae songs to just kind of, you know, thread it all together to give people a sense of what the book is all about. Can I say that sounds like the greatest book release ever? Yeah, I loved it. It was really I great. wish I was there. Oh my it god. Really and you just and and next time, you know, I, I I will do terrible and there'll only be four people in the room, but my next book comes out, I'm planning on singing them some stuff. Yes. <laughs> do not limit yourself. Do it. Yeah, these Have boots fun. are made for walking. What yeah. the only song I know by Tracy Chapman is Drive. What were they, what were the songs you did on um I did The Promise and Fast mm-hmm. Car. Fast car, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> the driving that. thing. Oh, God. I'm turning into my grandparents minute by minute by minute. It's terrible. Do you feel that, too, where you're just, like, sitting there going, oh, wait, how did I get here? Yes. I. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I do have those moments. I'm the guy in the corner that used that used to be disgusted <laughs> with. Now I go, oh, now I go, oh, they must realize I have so much <laughs> knowledge. No, they're disgusted with me. They hate me. <laughs> I doubt that (laughs) very strongly. That's so cool. So it's what I love about this is that you took tragedy and you've created it into something that's magical. And it's how, how do you get from, I mean, when you're in the middle of it, you're probably not going, I can't wait because this is so much great material. Thank you. 
Not at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And when it first happened, I literally stayed in my bed for six days. Yeah. Unable to even function. And, you know, when I finally was able to kind of get up and move about, I started journaling. Mm -hmm. um, because I've always been a journaler. I've, you know, I've journaled since in in the early 90s, I would journal. And so just to kind of get it out, I felt it was important to just kind of write about my feelings. But then I was having pages and pages and pages and pages of stuff. And I said, you know, I want to write more. And so I joined a memoir writing class, not really thinking that I would ever publish, but I kind of felt, at least let me put it all together. Yeah. And as I started writing as part of this, the writing process is it became less about, I mean, it was, it was a lot about what happened, but during, as I was writing, it became less about what he did and more so why it happened to me, you know, you know, and, and so my childhood started coming in on all these different fragments of, yeah, you know, as you're Isn't it interesting about, when you see the so patterns? Yes, it I'm scares writing. me to death. I, I'm <laughs> like, wait, this is because I used to blame everything on other people, and I'm like, oh my god, that I mean, you know, it sucks that people do certain things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. this is all my pattern. <laughs> yes, it, you see this pattern, and as I'm writing, you know, my I started writing about my childhood and traumas and domestic abuse, and and so the, the story by itself just would not have the same richness. I thought without yeah. really showing my full journey and how I got, so people can have an understanding and understand the narrative of how I got here, if you will. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and it's, you know, I, there, I was, I was, okay. This, I was, I've, I've, I've been a jerk on so many different levels, you know, at certain points in my life where I was like, I could have mm -hmm. done that better. And I was on, I was on set and this producer, uh, you know, the executive producer of the show goes to me, he goes, so Tony, what's your story? And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know, I don't care about suits. <laughs> you know, just like, like, like all of a sudden I'm just like antagonistic. And I'm like, and I, I was just like, I looked at uh, my friend and I'm like, I'm not answering that question kind of thing. You know, I was just, I was just, I was like being arrogant. And then my friend just gave him a short answer and the guy went, oh, okay. And then I realized, wait a second. He wasn't doing that to try to like, hit me up to see if I, I would, you know, cause like a lot right. of, I'm in Los Angeles. So a lot of people right. ask you things and they got these eager right. eyes and all right. they're trying to do is going, how can you write my story for me? And how right. can I get the right. most out of you? <laughs> and, but he was truly asking for my story. And I went, of course, because if we know the origin story of the person we're with, then we have, we have empathy, understanding, and also, uh, oh, that makes sense. We kind of just want to make, we yeah. need the story of the you person. You have perspective. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Because I think um, to really understand an author's, uh, someone's journey, it, it's difficult. Certainly when you're writing a memoir, to just take a segment and say, this happened in this segment. The, the, your, your readers will have a better appreciation of who you are. Um, and your journey and the broken roads you had to like that, the broken yeah. roads you had to come through to get to here and they'll understand you better as opposed to it just being a segment or a fragment of the story. Yeah. And I also learned that I don't have to give him the whole memoir. I can just go, well, this, this, and this, and then they kind of, like, like some, like I've just realized when like people go, Hey, where are you from? And I'm like, 
what do you mean where I'm from? And I'm like, no, they need to know where I'm from because that makes a lot of sense. I'm from a sad suburb of San Francisco and I grew up in the 1980s. And all of a sudden that picture is sad concrete suburb in working class neighborhood in the 1980s. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I have a vague view of what your perspective is. And most of it's right. And it scares me. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so the, so the specific part of the book is about how you were scammed. Correct. Yeah. So, so let me know, like, how, how does it, I mean, this is a big scam because this is a scam of not only money, but betrayal of heart. Correct. Correct. That hurts. That like hurts a lot more than just money. Yes, for sure. And, you know, although the scam is a, is a part of the book, my book actually follows me from my childhood in Jamaica, West Indies to the U.S. and what that was like as an immigrant moving from Jamaica here. And, you know, in my book, I talk about my very, very humble upbringing and moving to the States and what it was like going to school here and being bullied and, you know, yeah. ending up situations with domestic domestic abuse etc 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 but if you want to talk specifically um no it all, i mean i'm sorry you talk however you want because i'm yeah. just i'm just enamored with it and if you want to <laughs> sing if you want to sing it's open <laughs> the door is open if you fit <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I I think when you think about scams, people think about the traditional type of scam, right? Where someone is hiding behind a computer screen. You have a fraudster that's hiding about behind a computer screen, impersonating some other person, someone you may never see face to face. Right. Because they want you to see them. What they I get those I get those messages all the time. These like these like young ladies going, You look so handsome, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, just tell me what your bank account is and I can say you some <laughs> cash wire right now. It to you. Yeah, right. yeah. What what, what but, do you need wired to you? What do you need? Right, right. <laughs> but you know, this this individual took the different approach. He took the catch me if you can approach and he mm. was hiding in plain sight. So he immersed himself completely in my life. I was with him for 18 months. Yeah. He was, we did everything mm-hmm. together. We went to museums, we went to escape rooms, we went to um, haunted and, houses. And one of the escape rooms where you're like, maybe I need to escape the film. Yeah, did, didn't even think of that, <laughs> you know, because he was so doting and he was so kind. And he spent, I spent ev- practically every weekend with him. Did you, fall, did, were you, did you fall in love? Yeah, we absolutely loved him. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. That's, yeah. And I, I met his sister, I met his niece, I met his cousin. Um, I FaceTimed with his mom. I spoke with his son. So I did so much trust built right there. So much trust. He was practically living <clears throat> in the apartment. Yeah. But I just, you know, now as I look back, it was all part of the grooming process. This gentleman was grooming me and priming me for the 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 big payday, if you will. And now, so wait. when I <laughs> oh I, I'm sorry, but um so now, now when when these people are growing, you know these people are abusive mm-hmm. scumbags. Mm-hmm. But 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 do you think they're actually thinking that far ahead, or is their whole life pattern just I'm going to keep grooming these people around me, and then the opportunistic move? Yeah, I mean, quite often mm-hmm. people ask that question. Do you think that he really was into you, but he saw an opportunity that mm-hmm. you know? Maybe- 
had disposable income. Here's an opportunity. And I, you know, I said, I would have, I would, would think that except for within days after I realized what had, what happened, I went on the website where we met and there he was with a different name, with a different profile name, um, I, I, a different profile. And some of the pictures on his profile were actually taken in my building. And one oh of my the God. was wearing- was it, was, was there one sunrise photo from- No, <laughs> it was- You're like, that's my sunrise. <laughs> I'm coming to get you. It, it was in, it actually in the gym. And one of the shirts he was wearing was actually in my running shirt. Oh my God. So yes, this was all now. Planned. Now, so at, at what point do you see that, and are you steaming mad? Like, what part of your journaling process are you in? Where when you see that, you're like, "I'm gonna find him and I'm gonna kill him," or yeah, are you? Or are you like, I've, "I've like come a long way in my journaling, and I'm glad I saw that." You know what it is. At the time, he had sold me the story that his mom had passed away, and I don't want to give too much away for those who may not have read the book. But he told me that his mom died, and. I believed that and I thought maybe he was having some sort of breakdown. And I'm like, because it was so uncharacteristic of him. Oh. The person who I spent 18 months with was doting and caring and loving and seemed really, really interested in me and my well-being. So yeah. when I saw that, I'm like, what is happening? I, it was primarily disbelief. that. Wait, so that's how you caught him as... A person who's scam not only scamming you but scamming your heart. You caught him on, on online. Well, I caught him. Well, he. We were. I was buying. I was buying a house. You know, I was buying a house. There was real yeah. estate involved. I was looking for an apartment. I was looking to buy a house outside of the city for when I retired. Yeah. And he talked me into this property. I went to look at this property, decided I oh. wanted to invest in the property. And I was traveling a lot. He was practically living here. So I turned the money over to him and he gave me a play by play of all of the renovations that were done. And then after he had received all of the money, he said his mother died and he disappeared. And then I then later found out I don't want to I don't want to ruin it for you for your readers but that was a that was a tall tale. And that's when yeah. I realized that wow none of this was this relationship was real only to me. Oh, it's and how do you you know it's I come I've not that I've been in this extreme mm -hmm. of a situation but I've been in situations <laughs> where uh when I walk away I go oh wow like I try to I try to feel okay with the love that I gave, you know, it's where you just sitting there going, wait, I have that much love to give, but why do I keep giving it to the wrong people? Yeah. Well, yeah, because if, you know, in, in my book, I talk about the, the, my two husbands prior to him and I waited eight years after my last marriage. I said, yeah. I'm going to do the work. I ran the New York city marathon. I, I, wow. You, know, you got to yeah, mile 26.2. I got to mile 26.2 at Columbus <laughs> Circle. Started I, I would have died Island. at mile 8.6. Oh. <laughs> Started from Staten Island, Staten Island into, wow. Brooklyn, into Queens, Queens into Manhattan. Yeah. Into Do you still run? I, you know, not, not, not as much, you know, not, yeah, not, yeah. As, <clears throat> not as much now, but I, you know, I went into therapy and I, 
I started running and started really self-care, really focusing my on my well-being. Yeah. And, and because I was really wounded. But yeah. he knew that. He knew that. Because as I think about it, when I first met him, he would ask so many questions. And I interpreted <gasps> that to mean that he wanted to know about me. He would tell me about him, but I would tell me about myself. We would share about our childhood and our relationship with family members and things of that nature. I now know that he asked those questions so he can use them. One perfect example, there's this scene in the book with a rat. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to those who have not read the book. But he knew I had a, I'm terrified of all things rodents. And I live and in you New live York in New, City. And you live in New York City. Know, How do you take the subway? You, can I you take guess. the subway? I, I do not. You don't? I, I like, do not. You go down blindfolded and earplugs in your ears know, and I someone do. takes you down. No, no, no. I, I call a car. No, I do not. <laughs> or I walk. Fortunately, for yeah, me, yeah. You know, I, I worked on Wall Street for I have a Wall Street career for 34 mm. years was my. Wall yeah, Street. yeah. And when I moved into the city, I could I could. Walk. But you're still walking in those and those little buggers are like going, hey, we, we're still yeah, here. No, you I, see I, them I, scurrying. I don't, I don't I don't see them as much, but yeah. he knew about my fear of of rats, for example. And sometimes when we would walk, he'd see a rat. He would, he would like try to protect me. But I didn't see his apartment. I've never seen his apartment. Um, because oh, when I yeah. when I asked him, I said, oh, I'm, time for me to see your apartment. He says, there are so many rats. Oh. He says that we have a lot of this outbreak of rats. The, the walls are broken. I, I don't want you to come and see the apartment until that's all fake. And I and I went for it. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to deal with it. Right. That. But there were no rats. Yes. He used that yeah. because he knew about. That's just one example of the information. It's a that big they, example, though, because it's it's yeah. interesting. The um. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I try to look at it. You know, I'm always interested in psychology and stuff. And you, and these things I've learned about, like people who, with nar who have narcissism, mm -hmm. they, 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 they do groom you and they are asking a lot yeah. of questions. And then yeah. I see the patterns where I'm like, oh my God, that person did that. And of course they were trying to scam me out of stuff. I've been, I, you know, not at your level, but there's been a couple of yeah. times where I was just like, I had to deal with some heavy situations and yeah. Yeah. It's uh and then the other thing is when you don't see where the other person lives is the yeah. biggest red flag ever That's because we need to flag. see yes and even yes yeah even even you know it's just like even if it's a humble abode which let me tell you I live in one of the most humble abodes mm -hmm. possible so but I'll bring people to my humble abode and they'll right. be like oh you're crazy because you have books all over the place and records right. <laughs> like is your whole life books and music and I go yeah yeah kind of. <laughs> but he didn't he didn't want me to find out that he didn't really have his own apartment that he lived with his mom oh yeah 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 and then, you know which is which is okay in certain situations but just but you need to see right. the situation and also see. you need to understand the origin story i needed to see because you could tell a lot about a person by where they live and how they yeah. live yeah and um he didn't and and i fell for it i said okay we'll wait until they fix that because i don't want to see rats and right. one time we're actually driving past his and building. you're looking at the biggest rat right there yeah so we're driving past his building and i remember saying Oh, we should go up. And then he started telling me, you know, you see those guys in the, in the, you know, they're on heroin because he lives in a very bad area of the Bronx. 
Yeah. And I would say, yeah, no, I don't want to go. So he uh, the I, heroin's the good one though, because they're asleep. <laughs> it's the crack that's the bad one because then they're awake. <laughs> I used to live in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. So I'd be like, okay. oh, heroin, that's a good one. He's on the nod. Let's just walk through. <laughs> yes. So now if I, you know, hindsight being 2020, if that were to ever to happen, if I were found myself in a situation like that, I know I would say, well, let's hold hands and walk through the gauntlet of rats yeah. because I'm seeing where you live. But at that yeah. time, I just thought he was just being considerate of me when in mm. fact, this is all part of the whole scheme. Yeah. Oh man, if I saw him in a bar, <laughs> I've only known you like twenty minutes, and I'm already like on that guy. Yeah. Do, was, when you when you come away from that, do you? How do you keep? Do you get to keep hope of love alive and finding love again? And have you found love again? Absolutely, absolutely. Two oh, years I love ago. your attitude. Yes, please yeah, help me. You know why? You know why, Tony? I have one life to live. Yeah. I cannot allow someone to rob me of any of it. Right. Any of it. Yeah. Right? I this this life is not a dress rehearsal. We're yeah. on stage. This is the performance. You don't get to do it again. So yeah. I believe in companionship and I believe in love and 2 years after 2 years after that happened, I went back on a different site. And of course, I did a complete background check and everything. And we've been together for a beautiful four and a half years. Okay. I love that story. Now, what okay. site was that? So I could start using that one. It's okay. It's called Black People Meet. They're not going to have me. What a perfect answer. for What a perfect answer. Can I get grandfathered in somehow through you? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure you can. I, that's just, they do. You could, I saw people of all. Really? Of, yeah. Yeah. Even though that's the title, but. Yeah, I could cruise yeah. in there and be, okay, I might, I might, I, I'm, I, every once in a while, like, you know, I, cause I'm single right now and I get on these online dating sites and I'm like, okay. And then I'll meet like one person, that person's cool. It's not a, you know, it, but then there's, I'm just reading these profiles and I'm like, is it, is this humanity? Is this what's <laughs> existing out there? Yes. And I'm like, fair. I can't know. I can't know this. Cause I'll lose, I'll lose my love. I'll lose, I'll lose my spark. Yeah. yeah. And, th and then, um, but um, it's yeah. just keep in mind that, you know, finding your way back because yeah. you deserve it because you deserve it. I deserve the life that I that an amazing life to live. I deserve it. And even though this happened and the way I kind of reframe it, because I'm also a, a life coach, I have a life coaching company and mm -hmm. I really talk a lot about reframing. I try to look at it. It didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And even though mm. it was a terrible, terrible experience, because of that, I've been on national television. I got a book published and I have an opportunity to motivate, to encourage, to inspire other people who may find themselves in the pages of my book or find themselves in similar situations. So I try to look at it from that point of view. So what he did was awful, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm making a, a, a beautiful thing out of it by helping others. So that's how... I kind of take the sting off that betrayal. Away. And you helped yourself first. You had, yeah. cause, because oh, you sure. have to do the self care and self -care. like, like, yeah. how, like um, in, in your press notes, uh, I talked about uh, you growing up in a religious family. Are you still religious? Yes. yes. 
I, I, I find, I think I'm more spiritual than religious. Um, see, I'm more religious than spiritual. Yeah, I think I'm more. No, spiritual. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that played a role because I grew up with a very, very strict mother. We, my only activity was going to church. Yeah. So during my teenage years, I've never, I never went to the movies, didn't go to a prom, didn't go to a dance, didn't sing secular music, didn't mm-hmm. do go to the park, didn't ride bikes. Wait, you didn't... couldn't even? Oh wow! See, because I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, so I couldn't go to prom. I couldn't do like a ton of stuff, but yeah. I could go to parks. But, yeah, but still, <laughs> no, you couldn't go yeah. to parks. What 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 park. denomination is this? It, it was it was Pentecostal. Okay. It was yeah. Pentecostal, and you couldn't watch television. Yeah. And I mean, some of those things are a really good idea, though. You know, you think about it. It's just like there's so much crap on TV. <laughs> there is. But as a, you know, as a young teenager growing up, you don't right. see it that way. Well, and, you want to fit in with everyone else yeah. who's watching the shows. You know, and I and I I never dated. So my first um, husband who I married, I've never dated him. I just married him. Because that's well, the only so. Way. Was it was it a uh, was it a um was it like a arranged marriage or was it wasn't it... arranged? The way okay. it was set up was the only way you could marry someone. You have to go to the pastor, and the yeah. pastor would go to God and ask God if you could, if if it was in His will, and then He would then come back to you and say yes or no. He didn't want me to date this person at all. And so we ran away and we got, we got married. So, and- so at the time you, I'm sure, cause I, I had, well, I got married within three months of meeting my first wife. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do with the elders were the, 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 the vice grip that they put on you. Yes, yes. Uh, It's like, you can't get to know the person that you're going to marry. There's Correct. just no, there's just, they, and Correct. then. And then you have to stay together forever. There's no divorce. Correct. So it's just, it's a complete constant setup for failure. But at the time, did you believe that they were actually petitioning um, God and God was actually saying no to, to your future husband? I mean, no. Well, I I think a lot, and I don't, I don't want to vilify my mother here, but I think my mother played a role in it. Mm-hmm. And um, the passenger said, "No, take that ring off your finger. You're never to see him again." And, and why? And do you and do you think that was? Do you think that was from God, or do you think that was the pastor just giving a getting giving yeah. a vibe? Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah I, I believe that that was just the pastor. Yeah, yeah. Do, do and, you think the pastor really had your best interests at heart, or was it just kind of like did this, was this a pastor you knew like very personally when you grew up, or was it a? No, I've I. You know, at the time I was in that church for seven years, I only knew him mm-hmm. as the pastor yeah. and I sang on the choir. I knew him as a pastor, someone I respected, someone I looked yeah. up to. But my point is after, you know, getting married to someone you didn't know, I had no experience. I was completely naive. So when I went out into the world, I didn't understand what was happening. I remember in my first marriage, I remember asking my ex-husband, was it okay if I watched television? Oh, wow. And he yeah. was, not oh, so he was not a part of the denomination. He was. He was. He was. He was. He was. Okay. But okay. he believed in watching television. And, but I didn't feel as if I had the, the right as a married woman to turn on the television. I remember asking, that's how I call it conditioned or brainwashed or whatever right. you want. 
Yeah, but, it's brainwashing. Yeah. You know, so I throughout my life, I always felt as if and, you know, professionally, I was soaring. You know, I was a manager and director on Wall Street. But personally, I was still that little girl. So so you still hadn't watched television, but you were on you were had a good job on Wall Street. Yes. Yeah. This wow. Is now, no, no, no. This is now in my 20s. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, when I married him, I was in my 20s. <laughs> By the time I got to Wall Street, I had watched many, many television shows. I'd even been on television. And then you're like, I'm defiled. <laughs> yeah. I remember struggling with that. What and was the first show you watched? Do you remember? I think I watched Roots. Oh, there's a lighthearted one. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture your eyes just going. I remember watching Roots, and I remember watching the show with Gary Coleman, Different Strokes. Different Strokes, yeah. I remember watching that, um, Three's Company. Three's and Company is one of the greatest shows ever. Yes, I would, I would watch that. So I just remember feeling as if I should do a lot of pray, praying yeah. because yeah. I was doing something bad and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of stuff follows you yes. into your adult life where you feel, you know, and then I end up in these relationships where I took a, <clears throat> I, you know, I settled for crumbs, not even a slice. I just settled for crumbs because I just felt whether directly or indirectly that I had no power. Yeah. You know, and that that came along with with the conditioning and and, and it, it, the pattern just followed. So I am really happy that I had the opportunity to write this book that hopefully others may see themselves, you know, in a in a comp, you know, how are you showing up in your life? Are you showing up in a diminished way? Yeah. And if you're showing up in a diminished way, why? And, and, and I think work? most people, you know? I mean, we're just, uh, you know, even if, even if we're not brainwashed, mm -hmm. um, I think there is a level of society that we're in that um, wants us to feel diminished. Yes, 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 you yes, yeah. You know, and, and certainly in relationships when you have narcissistic men or what have you, you know, they want you because they knew like this last guy knew about my wounds and my scars. He knew yeah. of all of these tra tra traumatizing situations that I'd been through and he used them. So he showed up. He showed yeah. up to be my, you know, my knight in shining armor, but only to kind of almost do what the others did and probably in a worse way because not only did he break my heart, he stole my money. Yeah. Which, I mean, which is betrayal upon betrayal upon betrayal. Yeah, yeah it's, of course. Of yeah. Course. When um and when so when you were when you did your first TV show when you appeared on TV, um did your mother did your mother know that you were watching TV like how did that relate is your mother still alive and did, was she able to yeah. see some of this yeah. success? Uh yes she's still alive yeah and um she's still very very religious I don't think she mm -hmm. watches much television she listens more to you know a lot of spiritual stuff yeah. but you know after I left home after I ran away I was estranged from her for about 10 years yeah um and so the relation I only spent six years and 10 months with my mother when I came to this country so uh -huh. it was not it was not you know my she's she's who she is and I've had to come to terms with that yeah but um, yeah, so the success came from, you know, people say, God, you've been through this and this and this and this and this and this. How are you vertical? 
And I said, yeah. because, you know, because I, I believe that, you know, I can curate my own life and my own destiny and what I want. And despite what happened, I call it repurposing pain. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes the things that happen to you, how can you use this either to your benefit or to the benefit of others? Yeah. And that, and shortly after I realized I was scammed, I started a life coaching company because I thought my situation was so unique that when you think of scams, we talked about the traditional type of scams, people that you have not met. But then I met or heard of women who were, you know, engaged to people who robbed them, people who were married to people who robbed them. Um, this young woman was in a relationship with someone and he was, you know, whining and dining her while on the back end, he was opening credit cards in her name and for her to go bankrupt. You know, I met, I met sinister, a woman. So yeah, sinister. So sinister. And I, I've been, I, I know, cause yeah. I've been kind of around these people, especially when I was in the Jehovah's witnesses that, mm -hmm. um, that they, that in the, they use these weird terms and they're called like theocratic warfare and stuff where yeah. when my divorce went down, a whole organization came after me. Like mm. it wasn't, you know, it's, you gotta, I try to tell people, have you seen those Scientology like shows? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. that's what came after me when I was heartbroken and I'd found out I'd been yeah. cheated on for three years. Yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden everyone's like, it's because you, you, you lost your relationship with Jehovah. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. uh, fortunately, yeah. and it's weird. This kind of blows my mind because at that point in my life, even though I was broken and brought to such a low place. Mm -hmm. I had enough strength to get out of that place where if that probably would have happened a decade earlier, I may have killed myself Yeah, because I wouldn't be able to bring my headspace out of it. Correct. And it's just, there's some beauty. <clears throat> it's I'm thinking I'm realizing this now talking to you. So thank you yeah. for being my life coach. Oh yeah. But, but <laughs> this is like a free session. Thank you. But for, <laughs> but for some, but, for, but it's, it's just interesting that, um, it's almost like the universe goes, okay, you're ready to, ex you're ready to go through this now. And this is going to hurt like the worst hurt it's yeah. going to be, yeah. but watch what happens when you get out of it. Get on and, the other side of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and then just thinking about it now, it's almost like a privilege that the universe goes, you're ready for this. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like to say, you know, find the lessons in the wreckage. Yeah. And, and take it and move with it. Yeah. And, and go on to the the amazing life that you want, that you yeah. know that you deserve, right? That you know that you have worked hard for, and you're you're entitled to. The universe and I, God, who are, whoever people, however people identify their higher source. Wants I, how do you identify your higher source? Because I I like I yeah. like I I I'm you know kind of I I'm still struggling with mine. But, yeah. but I, but also a lot of people like open it up for generalizations and I'm like, no, no, I want to know yours. Cause I want to see if yours is a good one to hang on to. <laughs> well, I still, yeah. I, I'm, I still believe in the Christian faith. I still believe in God. Yeah. I believe in Jesus and what have you, but yeah. I find it very, very difficult to be part of an organized setting where another human being is dictating my life. Right. So, so 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 there there's there's God and there's Jesus but the when these people come in and say we are the source to God and Jesus that's kind yeah. of where like I, be, I, I don't need no middleman yeah. Yeah. yeah okay okay I could be my own source because I'm God loves me just as much as he loves you and he has an ear 
Well, I don't know about that. I mean, that's a big, <laughs> you know, and so I've, I've learned just to, just to be quiet and to be still. I've learned to meditate and I've learned to, you know, just take time and walk in nature and just appreciate the beauty of this life that we have. And sometimes like, for example, living here in New York, it's so easy to like sit in your apartment and watch television. But sometimes I just like to go outside and walk and, and look at birds and the water and the trees and the colors of the God's, of, cre of God's creation. God's, God's creation, creation is right in front and of you. Just, and I, just yeah. Connect yeah. with this higher power because I don't believe in, in, in accidents. I don't mm -hmm. believe that what happened to us in our lives was for naught. That's how I get through things. I believe it's a purpose. And for you, you have to find the purpose and how you can, as I said, repurpose it. And I'm a really happy, content individual, despite the horrors that I've been through. Yeah. Because I've always had this joy and I've always felt as if, you know, I have a, a, a purpose and I right. feel that this book is helping me to even continue on that path. So do you think that these things happen for a reason or do you feel like these things happen and then we find the reason that we needed to go through the lesson after? Yes, yes. And if, if I can share a story with you, it's it, this is not in the book. But in uh, December of 1995, I would, back then I was riding the subway and I got on the subway this one particular morning and I'm sitting um, where I normally sit right across from the conductor. Mm -hmm. And I normally I would I was reading a book. I think I was reading the other side of midnight. If you remember that book. No, and was it good? Yeah, it was a great book. OK, it's hold on. Book. I'm going to write that down. Other side it's of midnight. Older, it's an older book. The other okay. side of midnight. It's fantastic right. story. All right. Don't lose your rhythm. You got a great story going. Keep going. Yes. Yeah. And so this woman gets on. And for some reason, she looks at me and I look at her. I wasn't paying attention to her. She looks at me and I look at her and we make eye contact. And she comes and she stands directly above me. We gave me a faint smile. I smiled back and I resumed reading my book. The train, the door closes, stop after stop. The train is getting more and more crowded. And I look up at her and she takes out an inhaler. And she begins to take these very labored breaths. And I remember reaching up and I touched her arm and I said, Miss, would you like to sit? And she shakes her head, yes. And I stood up and I positioned, by then the train was very crowded. I positioned myself in such a way that she can slide into my seat. Yeah. And as she's doing that, she grabs my arm and she looks me in my eyes and she says, Miss, I am going to die today. She says, I have two little girls, please help me. She collapses in my arms and we lay her across the seat. And we started with, with, with CPR and you know, someone's doing the breath, someone's doing the, the chest compressions. Someone even started an inhaler put in her mouth to see if that would revive her because by now she was completely still. The conductor radioed for EMS to meet us at the next station. As fate would have it, the train in front of us lost power. So EMS couldn't get to us and we couldn't get to EMS. 20 minutes later, we roll into the station. By now she's gone. It's clear that she's gone. 
the the EMS workers, they come on and they try everything possible to revive her. And they started IVs, they put her on the, I, I, and because I was the last person with whom she spoke, I felt this connection to her. Like, I always like, why was I the last person that, that I, when she came on the train, she looked right at me and I watched them put her on the seat and they pump, they put her on the floor and they pump. And I, they were trying to push everyone away. I would move, but I would inch back, inch back because I wanted to see what was happening. Then I saw them put her in a body bag. And I remember they put some sort of tape on her forehead. And someone later told me they couldn't zip it all the way up because she needed to be declared dead by the coroner. And I watched them carry her away. You would think that would be the end of the story, right? I remember at the time I was working in the Wall Street area, I went to my office, I closed the door and of course I lost it. It was just such a devastating thing. I started calling all of the hospitals in Brooklyn. And finally, I found the hospital where she was. And the woman says, well, I really can't share any information with you or you're not family. I said, no, I'm not family. But I was on a train with her. And she says, I'm not supposed to do this. But, you know, she didn't make it. I say I knew, but I was I was just hopeful. OK, so I decided never, ever again am I riding the subway. Never. I, so I started taking the bus. Right. So three weeks later, I'm on the bus. I'm walking down the aisle. Someone tugs at my arm. I look at this person. This person looks familiar, but I'm going, and it's a it's a friend of mine. It was my best friend from high school. And she, we started chatting, you know, by, this is 1995. I graduated from high school in 1980. So this is 15 years. I haven't seen her in 15 years. And we started chatting and she said to me, I've never seen you on the bus before. And I said, well, I used, normally I would take the train, but I stopped taking the train because, and I started to tell her this story about what happened. And she's having this very visceral reaction. I mean, it's a sad story, but she was like really falling apart. And she said, you were on that train. And I said, yes. She said, that was my cousin. I haven't seen her in 50, she says, that was my cousin. And I was tormented for those three weeks because I wanted to find out who she was, how are the little girls, et cetera, et cetera. And, and she, apparently in their family, they've been looking for closure. And so I was able to tell her that in her last moments of life, she was surrounded by love and care and how everyone rallied and what, you know, what, what really happened. And she in turn could tell me that she was 28 years old. She had two little girls and was recently married, just bought a house. And she had some sort of lung condition. I don't remember the exact, um, whatever it was. And she was supposed to have surgery but because it was Christmas time, she wanted to spend Christmas with her girls. And that was her fatal decision. So my point is in that moment, when this woman is dying in my arms, it didn't make sense why it was me. But unbeknownst to me, it's because I knew her cousin and I could give her closure and I could, and she could do the same for me. So my point is, I don't believe that anything happens just out of coincidence. I believe that there is a reason why. And sometimes you may not realize it then in that moment. 
but by and by, you will understand that. And I always tell the story when people say, well, why is this happening to me? And what's, why is that? Why is that? I say, sometimes it happens. Just kind of sit with it and it will make sense after a while. Does that make sense? A ton of sense. Yeah. Now, did you ever get to see the daughters? No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Get to, I never. I never saw her again after that. Wow. I saw her again after that. So call it serendipity. Call call it what you will. Yeah. But I, I. She was having that reaction because her family were so desperate to find someone. Yeah. Who knew what happened? Yes. And she used to be my best friend in high school, and that's why I was on that bus on that particular. Wow. You know, no, so, no. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I, 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 I always use that story to kind of help me when I'm going through terrible times, such as what I've experienced. And I said it will all make sense after a while because there is a higher power who I believe is actually um, behind it all. Yeah. Wow, it's a powerful story. Yeah. I, I was, um, I saw someone die last week. Uh, in a bicycle accident um i came i came right after he was hit and it was a half a block away from me and um and we i didn't know he was dead but uh when i when i finally like parked my car and i and um and i and i went to the uh i'm learning spanish so so my spanish my spanish neighbors and you know the liquor store down the street are kind of like being a little nice to me going okay this is this this whitey's finally learning Spanish, you know. Anyway, but, I studied um, four years in high school. Yeah, yeah. I I I got an urge to like become fluent, so I'm <laughs> hopefully give give me a few years there. But um, yeah, you got it. You got this. Yeah, yeah. And but it was just I was just like standing there with them, and it was just so. It was just like I think he's dead, but I wasn't sure because of the way they were, you know. And then I looked on the Citizen app, and it said deceased on uh, wow. at, at the scene. Wow! And um, and October is just a brutal month for me because I've, you know, I had my uncle kill himself. I've had I've had other suicides oh, wow. in my family, oh, and wow. th- so there's just so like October is like the month of let's just make it through again. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like yeah. one yeah. more one more round through October. And yeah. then I've resiliently made it through. Good for you. Good but for you. But it was it was just I was I and the and the day he died was a very significant day in my life too. And so I was just like, wow. It it hurt to see him die. And then I'm like, and and then I, you know, I'm not sure about the afterlife. I don't know if I, you know, you I know his spirit goes somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I so I think maybe there was a um there was an honor to be a part of that spirit going yeah, somewhere. Like yeah. I, I was, and even though, you know, I didn't see it, see it or I didn't feel it. I felt like there was an importance that I was there when his spirit yeah. was leaving. Yeah. And yeah. also that or the person who crashed into him, you know, I, 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 I thought he was doored and then thrown into a car. So it wow. was, you know, it was, it's just the, the last in, in it. And, from what I understand, it was instant. And, <clears throat> and I know those. Saying? What's that? It was what? His you death was what? instant. From instant. what I understand. Instant. And okay. also just how many lives were changed in that moment. His loved ones. Yeah. Also, the, the person, person who adored him. Yeah. Which, you know, um, you know, under the law, that would be that would be his negligence. 
But yeah. at the same time, if that's the person, it's we all make stupid mistakes. Yeah, I've been the idiot who's opened his door too fast. And if yeah. there was a bicyclist there, that same thing could have happened to me. Yeah. And yeah. so that family now has the date, the same date as yeah. that remembrance. Yeah. The person who was driving the car that he's yeah. that the guy ended up on. Yeah. People so who all witnessed. these people are yeah. gathered. Yeah who yeah. now have a same day of remembrance that I have from things that yeah. happened decades ago. Sure, sure. And then I was just like, I'm totally connected to them because now we're all going to be, have sorrow yeah. on that day. Sorrow on that day. Or, 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 or not. Yeah. You don't have sorrow. You don't have to have sorrow. Do you know what, what? I mean? Maybe you look at it from the standpoint of today, I'm going to celebrate that person's life. I'm just going to celebrate yeah. that person's life. Yeah. Because, it's, it's, it's not something that you did, right. right? You weren't the cause of it. You were just a witness. So, yeah. you know, instead of using it as a day, maybe it's a day of celebration. Maybe it's a day of gratitude. The Which is, which is the thing. You it's, know? it's, and, and I said this to my therapist, I'm in therapy every week. So, but I said this <laughs> to my therapist uh, a couple weeks ago and she was, and I was just like, maybe I needed these things to happen in order to get where I am. And she said, no, need is not the word. You mm -hmm. have, you had these things happened and you've used them Correct. and created what you've created. And I, and, it, and yeah. I was, and that just sometimes, sometimes the linguistic wording of it mm -hmm. is pretty mind blowing and helps. And yes. just, and just think, I mean, we're limited to language. Like the communication of language is such a limited thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. But it's all about interpretation, right? It's yeah. all about it's all about how it resonates with you. It's all about how it lands because you can have four people and you tell each person the same thing um, and it's going to impact each person differently because of who they are, yeah. their background, their experiences, what they've gone through, their wiring, you know, yeah. all these different things. So we all show up as individuals and what we carry with us, our past and yeah. it you even choose to have it define you or you can use it for your own joy, however that yeah. may be. So when you think of that young man who, who passed away, although it's, it's a sad thing that his family went through, but you don't have to use that as something to, to bring, how can you elevate yourself that day? Maybe this is a day you, 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 you know, you're just super grateful, or maybe this is a day where you, you know, I don't know, you on a bicyclist, so whatever it may be. You're what, just fine. Yeah. And I, well, I, and I don't know if I, cause I, I was grappling with so many feelings cause it's, it's, it's not just that there's a lot of stuff yeah. that happened on a certain yeah, week yeah. in mm -hmm. my life. Uh, mm -hmm. about 30 years ago that happened like on this week where I just go, here we go. The bumpy ride again. Yeah. But, 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 but with that, there was sorrow, but there was also, there are other people who are also going to have sorrow on this day. Sure. And remembrance. Sure. And, and now Remember I have remembrance them. with them about yeah. my sorrows and they don't know mine yeah. and I don't totally know theirs, no, but it. it's, but it, it's about, it, it almost made me feel like part of a community that I don't even know I'm a part yes. of and they don't know yes. I'm a part mm -hmm. of. Correct. Correct. But find a way to have it serve you. Yeah. Do you know, find a way to have it serve you. Yeah. Um, as opposed to something that brings you down. How can you, how can you, how can it serve you? How can it serve your life, your existence? Maybe you, you know, this, this is a day you come up with a ritual of some sort that serves you. 
you know? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So thing, things happen to us. And um, do you, so do you have like with with the person that you saw dying, did you create a ritual of sorts or was that kind or was it closure when you saw your your uh, her cousin on the train? It, it, it was closure. But mm -hmm. whenever I would do ca uh, cabaret shows, I've, I've dedicated songs to her. Yeah. They, I would tell the story and I said, this next song is dedicated to her. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes I use it as a story to uplift others or just to just talk about, you know, just how the universe works and the universe operates. Yeah. Wait, and, and do you feel like that she's hearing your dedications? I have never really thought about it, whether or not she's it, because I just, you know, thinking of her as transitioned, um, I've never really thought of it like that, that she's actually hearing it, just that she has transitioned and she's gone yeah. on to where she's gone on. And I was able, what, what, what I feel very grateful about, that I was able to give that family closure. Yeah. You know, that 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 I took that bus, that 828 bus that particular morning to run into her and to help her to give closure because she was so grateful. She couldn't wait to call her family members and to walk them through what I had shared. Yeah. Donna, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, absolutely. It was a joy. It was such a pleasure. Shouldn't have been a mess in And now someone else is getting all your best These boots are made for walking And that's just what they'll do One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you
101.9 FM KPCR LP Santa Cruz Thing. 